Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and bald eagles wondering if Rogaine extra strength is right for them. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you know what that means? It's Tea with BBP. Live from the Michigan State University campus, it's your host, BBP, a.k.a. Bill Van Patten, international superstar, and now officially the diva of SLA. I say officially because if you've seen the tweet, you know it's official. When you get a license plate from Colorado that says diva on it, it's official. <laughs> With me are my co-hosts, our answer to Siegfried and Roy, Angelica Kramer and Walter Hopkins. Say hello, kids. Hello. Hello, everybody. Are you Siegfried or Roy? I don't know. Who are they? I don't <laughs> <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> the problem is, when you used to go to their shows, nobody knew which one was Siegfried uh, and Roy. Yeah. Nobody cared. Uh, you really don't know who Siegfried and Roy were? I'm, I'm are? just maintaining uh, my... Knowledge of nothing. D no, but you really don't. Are you just being funny, or you really don't know? I'm not commenting. You oh boy, don't he look at it. Know. He does not know who Siegfried. Okay, we're we want someone to call in. I'm not going to say we want someone to call in today to tell Walter who the heck Siegfried and Roy what were I really slash are. You don't. You don't know. <laughs> we don't know. You don't know Walter. <laughs> oh well, guess where I just got back from? Well, judging by the license plate. Maybe Colorado. I got back from Colorado, the second stop on the Diva Tour this semester. How mm. did it go? It was great. It was great. I want to give a shout out. <clears throat> Excuse me. I still got that mountain air going on in my throat. Um, I, it, uh, Bryce Hedstrom, who is the president of the CCFLT, the Colorado Congress on Foreign Language Teaching, was the person who invited me and hosted me. It was a great, great time. He did a good job at the conference. It was a really great group of teachers from Colorado. And I also got to see Mark Knowles, because Mark invited me down to um, the Boulder campus um, of the University of Colorado. That was fun. He was the, he was actually the one who gave me the license plate at the end of my talk. Oh, nice. That was a great group. We put a great talk that evening, that late afternoon. Was five, is 5 o'clock evening or afternoon? I don't know. Late afternoon, I'd say. Depends on where you are. All I know is at 5 o'clock, I'm always having a cocktail. So to me, that's, you know, who knows? <laughs> Next stop on the Diva Tour is where? Do you know, Walter? Um, I did know where, but I don't remember anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you, because you don't even know who Siegfried and Roy are. <laughs> so how could you know what the next stop on the Diva Tour is? It is the University of Illinois at Chicago. Ah, nice. I'll be there on October 21st. I'll be giving a keynote there. That's going to be a fun conference. It's the uh, actual UIC Bilingualism Forum. Then after that, at the end of the month, I will be at the Minnesota Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. Hmm. So I can't wait to see everybody, both in Chicago and in Minneapolis. So that is going to be fun. Um, oh, my gosh. <clears throat> I really did get like, like, you know, like a little, little frog. It's something in my throat that dry mountain air just did me in. You know what? You need to drink more tea. I do need to drink something. <laughs> I do. Gee. I think I'm going to have a little sip of my water here. Walter, you take over for a minute. Okay. Hi, everybody. Call in. That's 517-884-4321. Okay. That's good. That's good. Okay. This is why I get paid the big bucks, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What, uh, you have to remind everybody that, um, this is, that they have a SLA challenge question. Remember how that works? No. I Can will give people, I will give people the moment. question in a few minutes. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the first person to make it to the phones with the answer wins a prize. Ding, 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 ding. And the same for the Diva Challenge question. I'll read that question at some point, and you'll have time to call in with the right answer and win a prize as well. And, of course, we have Angelica's quote of the week mm-hmm. and Walter's read of the week coming up. So if you want to reach us, again, that phone number is 517-884-4321. Dustin's waving at me through the magic glass window. He wants you to call him and say hi to him because he's lonely back there. All he has to do is stand next to Daniel. That's kind of boring, isn't it? <laughs> so 517-884-4321. You can also tweet us if you want, or actually it'd be better too for you to just call it. But because Please we, call, please call. Please call, please we call. We like to talk to people. We mm-hmm. know some of you are on Mixler, so that's fine. Angelica's monitoring Mixler, so that's great. But we're a call and talk show. You know what I always say? Call in and talk to us. Call me. Call me. Who sings that, Walter? Call me, call me anytime. He's looking well, at you're me. You're singing, yeah. Siegfried and Roy sang. <laughs> Siegfried and Roy sang that. <laughs> they were a big duo. They were a big duo. Like, See, like I knew that. They're like musicians. Wham. They were like Wham in the 80s, Siegfried and Roy. All right. <laughs> and don't forget about the Diva Lip Sync Contest, everybody out there. Oh, We've yeah. got some entries coming in. They are fabulous. Entries are due on October 15th. That's less than, what, two weeks away? Less than two weeks away. So get those entries in. Go to our website, twithbbb.com, and learn about that fun competition. Help us celebrate our first year on the air, right? Yeah. That's right. right. Awesome. We That's need more. Cool. I mean, we have gotten a few, but we'd love to hear more. Well, we're not here. <laughs> Remember, guess, <laughs> your, your prize if you win is a date with Walter. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm always trying to give Walter away. Why do you think that is, Angelica? I don't know, because I'm not particularly fond of that myself. Uh, I don't know. Why is that? I have no idea. That's a very deep question. Walter's already taken and quite happy. Thank you. Aww. Luca wants me to remind everybody, by the way, that tomorrow you have to check out Twitter. So make sure you check out Twitter tomorrow, because we have an exciting behind-the-scenes little sneak thing coming out. So that's all I'm going to tell people. I'm going to just tease people. That's a little scary to me. No. It's something fun. It's something fun. It's an exciting, fun, behind-the-scenes little sneak peek at some of the things we do. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And also, Walter, aren't you on Twitter now? What's Twitter? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I am. You need to... Yeah, Walter needs some love. You guys need to tweet Walter something, because he he needs... Don't Walter tweet. needs to remember that he has Twitter and how to get into Twitter. Don't, don't Twitter tweet him is. an answer about Safe Freedom Roy. We want to see if he gets it. We're going to have somebody call in with that. This week is Ask Us Anything Week. You can call, us, call in with your burning questions uh, about acquisition, teaching, decorating, fashion, Walter's hair. We'll talk about anything. <laughs> in the meantime, we want to sh- give a shout out to the Tea Party in Champaign, Illinois. That's going on right now. Florencia Henshaw and a group of her people at uh, Urbana Organize a group to drink tea and listen to the show at my old stomping grounds, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. They sent me some topics a few weeks back, and I think I'm going to go ahead and bring one up now while we're waiting. Uh, I know we got a call, but um, there were two topics that intrigued me. Well, there were a number of topics that intrigued me, but they two that, they, that, that I thought were interesting that we could talk about today, if nobody has anything to talk about, is the use of the L1 in the classroom because people are afraid to use the L2, or they don't think their students will understand anything. So we need to talk about that at some point. The second is student expectations. At what point do we let student expectations drive what we do? And I'm assuming expectations mean their expectations about language learning and their expectations about what it means to get a grade. And my answer to that, in a nutshell, is the students aren't the experts. We are. So um, 
I, I'm going to be provocative and say, student expectations don't count a lot for me. What we need to do is change student expectations. So uh, I'm glad Florence brought that up, and I will expound on that if people want to call on about. But I think that's a great topic. Just at what point do you, when your students say we want this instead of that, or we don't like, do you change when you are the person running the show and you and you know you you have a job to do? So anyway, uh, I think that's a good question. Again, the number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. And we have someone on the phone. We have a Mark. Is this Mark from Colorado on the line? It is. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, Mark. I think I know who you are. Hi, Mark. Hey, Walter. Hey, Angelica. Hey, Hello, Bill. Mark. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. great. How We're are you? great. Oh, I could be better, and I don't really want to get into it, but uh, we had a great Saturday and a great Monday, fantastic, record-breaking turnout for an all-tech event, and I want to thank Bill so much for coming and doing a riveting presentation for us, uh, which created a lot of buzz. You hear that, Walter? Riveting. (laughs) Riveting, Walter. I was riveting, Walter. Yeah. I was better than Siegfried and Roy. Okay. (laughs) Without, without the Tigers. Without, oh, so you're giving it away now, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up, Mark? What you calling about? Well, I, I had a, just a real brief comment with a question. The comment is that with this buzz, I get a lot of, I'm getting a lot of reaction about, you know, what is the nature of language and, and should we be throwing out grammar and all this and that? Um, and, of course, we should. But uh, the, the, the thing is, when I'm talking to teachers about all this sort of thing, they don't really know how to go about doing uh, the sort of exciting things that you're doing at MSU, for example, because they haven't experienced it. They've, they've heard about it. They've read about it. It sounds really good to them. But I remember when I was in grad school way back when, I was reading all about all this communicative stuff, and it was great. Um, but I also had the great opportunity of going two floors up and observing by taking a course in classes that were actually being taught communicatively. And if I hadn't had that, I'm not sure uh, that I'd be the same person that I am, that I'd have the same notions of what communicative language teaching was. So that's my comment. I mean, it's a comment about future teachers. How do they, how do they sort of get this apprenticeship of observation without, without necessarily having a, a, a department two floors up that's doing this sort of stuff to observe? And I know we've got lots of nice things like YouTube, and we've got Tea with BVP, which is a fantastic program, but it doesn't quite come up to the level of actually experiencing it. So is there any possibility that a high-production television type or documentary type of uh, program could be created to help those teachers? So like Billy Iker on the street, huh? So we just get a camera and run classroom to classroom. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Walter, you don't know who Billy Iker is, do you? Nope. Yeah, well, he's not Siegfried and Roy, I'll tell you that right now. Do you know who Billy Iker is? <clears throat> I don't know. Ah, okay, okay. Back to Mark. It's all about Mark right now. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, Mark, I think what you're saying is something I've experienced. Um, I told this anecdote before. I'll just tell it again briefly. Um, that when I was at the Ohio Five a couple of weeks back, um, back in September, and I was, you know, there doing my keynote. It was one of those two-hour interactive keynotes. And a lot of people were looking at me quizzically and raising their hands, and some were quite a little bit challenging because yes, but, yes, but, you know, those kinds of things. 
And so finally I said, would you like to just experience a class? And they said, yeah. And so we rearranged the afternoon and I wound up doing an extra thing for them. And I taught an hour to a bunch of people who didn't know any Spanish. And then the people in the back were observers. And so they had to do the comment, the note taking, the commenting, and then the people in the front had to experience and then relate their experiences afterwards. It was a very fruitful thing, Mark. You're right. There's nothing like experiencing and seeing it because those people in the audience who were like, what the hell is he talking about? And they were going, yes, but, yes, but. After the presentation, after experiencing it and seeing it firsthand, it was like, oh, I get it. I see, yeah. And even the people who were um, my little fake students in, in the Spanish class I taught, some of them were doubtful, and after being students themselves and seeing what happened, they were like, wow, this is really cool. So you're right. There's nothing like that experience, I think. So um, I, I, I like what you're saying. I think maybe we should, you know, I think you're right about YouTube. That's great. But I think something a little more high production documentary-like with some narration, some observations in it of, you know, actually real classroom time going on, um, some student, you know, interviewing of students to see what they're saying about it interviewing instructors, really nicely put together. I think it would be a good little package for us to do and put up somewhere. What do you think about that, Mark? Yeah, yeah, how do we do it? Well, we can do it. We can... Um, you talk to the diva of SLA. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we can get a couple... Taking the right first step. Maybe we can get a couple of schools together to, uh, to coordinate on this and through our deans, see if we can get some funding from our deans to actually do this. So um, I think that would be a great idea. Why don't, you, why don't you and I talk about that, Mark? I'll be the first to sign up. I'll be glad to. Okay. Well, why don't we do that? Why, I think I think your I think your your observation is spot on. That there's nothing like experience. You can talk all you want, but if you can't see it after you hear about it, it's hard, right? So it's the same. It's just like language learning, right? In the sense, you don't acquire through being talked about language. You acquire through input. So it's a lot of times changing people's behaviors as teachers is not so much talking about language teaching, but letting them experience the input of language teaching. So. So good. that's great. Good so let's parallel, do that. Good parallel. I I agree. So just sign me up. I'm I'm there. Okay. I will be in touch with you about that. I think we could probably put something together. Great. Thank I you. I love that idea. Thank you, Mark. And thanks for the thanks for the great time in Colorado. I had a, I had a uh -huh. wonderful we time. We will love to see you again okay. anytime. Well, tell everybody I said hi. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Okay. See you later. Take Bye -bye. care, Mark. Thanks for yeah, calling. Bye, Mark. Right, a really good group of people in Colorado. I had a great time on Monday. They were a wonderful audience. And there was this guy after my talk who said, um, he said, yeah, he goes, I really, this all makes sense to me. And I can understand now why you can't teach languages explicitly. He says, it's all very convincing. The evidence is compelling. But what do I do in class? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's a whole other presentation. If we had another hour, I would do no. it for you. I would have done just what I did for Ohio 5, but. Anyway, so Mark's raising a really It is really hard, though. I mean, I, I remember I taught for several years before coming here and and tried to teach communicatively, and and I, and I was successful in some things, but I think until you actually see it and experience it mm -hmm. and are immersed in it, then it's it's hard to really see how it, how it will work. So yeah. I agree with Mark. Yeah. I think there's And I think people, people are that. always limited by their own imaginations, I've discovered. So people, mm -hmm. if, they, if they get a little something, you know, just a little something different, then maybe their minds can go with it, so... Okay, well, let me give people the SLA challenge question before we get any further into the show. Then we'll take another caller. So uh, get your pens and papers out there, people, and write this question down. Here it is. This is easy. This is <laughs> of course easy. You is. always say that. Here's the question. In the past, we have talked about the groundbreaking morphine studies that launched the current empirical L2 research in the early 1970s, the research by DeLay and Burt and others. Question. 
what's the definition of a morpheme? And Walter, no, it's not a drug you take when you're having an operation. Okay. I'm shaking my head right now. In the past, okay, let me repeat the question for everybody. In the past, we've talked about the groundbreaking morpheme studies that launched current empirical L2 research in the early 1970s. Question, what's the definition of a morpheme? Easy peasy, simple pimple. Okay, there we go. All right, we've got a call coming in. Oh, look who it is. We've got a call from Florencia from Illinois. Florencia, you on the line? Yes, I'm right here. How are you? Great. How are you doing, Florencia? Good. We are enjoying some tea, some German cookies. We have a teapot. We, we are official here. We are nice. ready. Nice. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Any scones? Um, we don't have we have macaroons. Is that okay? No cucumber sandwiches? No, no watercress sandwiches? Hi, Florencia. That was Walter saying hi. <laughs> hey, Walter. <coughs> oh, my gosh. <coughs> He's hyperventilating here. Sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> Angelica, take over. Oh, boy. Here he goes. Florencia, what's your question? Or, or what comment. would you like to share with us today? Um, our question has to do with the use of the L1, uh, be it English, in most of our foreign language classes. Um, and the question uh, arose because sometimes, especially in beginner courses, intermediate courses, we tend to cover some of the big topics like culture or cultural issues more on the surface because we don't want to uh, switch to English, right? We want to keep it all in the target language. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, should we have some compromise and then do discuss and have the students maybe even write or even talk in English on big topics? Or should we, at least for the first few years, just keep it all in the target language, focus on language acquisition, and then leave the other topics for later? Well, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, honestly, I think that the early phases really should be about language acquisition. Doesn't mean you can't treat some cultural topics, and I do think you have to do them superficially, superficially, the same way you would do with a three or four or five-year-old, you know, they're not ready to go mm -hmm. to school, they're not, they're not literate yet, and so you, you don't deal with the big topics, um, and I know that maybe um, in, in the university setting that sounds kind of weird, but if you have proficiency goals that are supposed to be the outcome of your program, it's hard to divert attention to a lot, I mean, because otherwise you wind up doing a lot of different things that are going to take away from your outcome. Um, so, <clears throat> so my perspective is let's focus more on language acquisition. Let's get them skills so that if they want to go on and they go to the intermediate level, i.e. the third year and beyond, they have some skills where they can start to actually interact with some of those topics. Um, right. You know, because the problem you have with a language program, those of us who work in the first and second year, is we are a gen ed program, right? We are, we're, we're servicing a large part of the university. And so it's not that we're there trying to make majors. I mean, that's just not what the program is about, necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't mean it can't be, but that's really, when you think about, when you look at the, the drop-off patterns, you lose like you lose like 75% of your student population after the fourth semester. Um, that means that they're really there to just get an introduction to something, right, and, and, and to get some basic skills. And so I think we need to make sure that, that, that we're doing that and we're servicing the university the way we can. That doesn't mean you can't do now and then, I mean, occasionally now and then, a culture topic that, you know, you for a, and you use L1 or something. But, you know, I wouldn't make that a standard thing because that just detracts from 
what everybody's there to learn about, which is Spanish or French or German. Now, I know there are people who can say, you can't divorce language from culture, you can't divorce cultural language. Well, actually, right. you can. You can in the beginning of language class because the context of the classroom is not Germany or Spain or Mexico or France or Quebec. The classroom is context is the classroom in the U.S. that we're all teaching in, right? That's the context. So we have to be faithful to that context um, and not make it artificial. So I think that that if we have a, a strong emphasis on language acquisition, we have clear proficiency goals, and then we dabble now and then if we really wanted to, just now and then make that foray into the, the bigger topics if we wanted to, then you could do that. But um, here at MSG, we really don't do that. We we treat culture pretty superficially here. I think the way you, if I understand the way you mean it, Florence, I think we, we treat it pretty right. superficially here. And that's okay because there's a lot of superficial cultural topics that students don't know about. Very basic things that actually lead in the long run to more profound questions later on. So, Right. Yeah. Right. But, um, the, I guess the other side to that is that sometimes, you know how it is, right? Language courses end up being seen as less serious, right, than chemistry or psychology, right, or any other courses that the students are taking, and they feel like coming to Spanish class is, you know, la fiesta, and <laughs> when is your birthday, and it's, it's, it's all what they perceive as very, very fluff, right, like they're not learning any content. Right. Well, we, we have had this conversation before on the show, and that is, <clears throat> that is absolutely not inaccurate, um, it's not that Spanish or French or, or German is fluff when you come to the, the language class. It's that it's skill. It's 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 a performance based thing. It's a skill based thing. So right. is is it fluff to go to your um, your piano class if you're a piano major or I mean a music major? Is it fluff to go to your acting class if you're in theater? No, those are classes where you perform and you do. And so we have to That's take, a good way of seeing it. That's a good way of seeing we it. Have yeah. to, we, have to, we have to put forward that we're just as important as anybody else, but we're working on a skill. We're working on the do part of language. Um, right. Otherwise, here's, here's my, I'm going to go back to this. People aren't going to like this. We're going to lose our language requirements. There's no reason to have four semesters or three semesters or any requirement other than a semester. If, mm -hmm. we're, if we're just there to give them intellectual content like anybody else, well, science, you know, Hard science only has one, you know, one class for the general ed major, or a general ed curriculum, and then social science one class, you know, three credits, and then maybe math or calculus, you know, three credits, and so on. But then all of a sudden you've got twelve, at least MSU, twelve credits for language four semesters. Well, why is that? Because the idea is that you're focusing on skill development. If you're focusing right. only on knowledge, we could just knock that off in one course. Boom, like a little Spanish linguistics course and taught in English. Here's what you need to know about Spanish. Great. So you have your Spanish appreciation. Right. Go on. Bye. We'll give you a midterm and a test on it, write an essay, boom. We're as intellectual as anybody else. But I don't think that's what we want to do. So, um, so I think people need to rec push and recognize and, and be proud of the fact that we're about performance. We're about doing. And that, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and I, think, I don't think people have problems with that. Um, we, just need to, we just need to make the case. Sounds good. Before we go, can um, Mr. Brendan Carollo say hi to you? Oh, sure. Hey, Brendan, where is he? Is he there, right there? Yeah, I'm here. I brought the tea, or I brought some of the tea. Well, good. <laughs> now, is anybody... And I, I brought teacups, too. Well, good for and, you, Brandon. And I brought one of your coasters. Nice. Oh, nice. Great. Yeah, so I have one of your coasters. Well, great, great. So did, you, are you, did anybody bring any Earl Grey today? Yes, I brought the Earl Grey. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank they are true you. fans right there. Thank and you. Florencia brought these amazing cookies. Well, see, now I'm jealous. We're going to have to start doing that. But see, the problem is we can't drink and eat on the air because, you know, Walter can barely walk and chew gum at the same time. Let him <laughs> <go>. <laughs> Poor Walter. I He's know. such a nice guy. Poor Walter. I'm picking on Walter today. <laughs> we love Walter. So, well, some people do. Brent, Brandon, we can really I ask you a question? Yes, yes, go ahead. Don't give me the answer, but do you know who Siegfried and Roy are? Say that again. Do you know who Siegfried and Roy are? Oh yeah. Don't don't Roy, don't give yeah. me the don't give me the yeah. answer. Okay, I just want to yeah, I, yeah. I just want Walter to feel bad because he's not he doesn't know who Siegfried and Roy are. So. Walter. <laughs> Walter never admitted well, that. Walter just I'll said we'll Walter see. Walter in a couple of weeks at the CIC, so That's I'll let right. him know. All right, there you go. <laughs> if, if nobody calls in with the information, okay, we're gonna let we're, we'll, we'll we'll give Walter the information in a little while here. So, okay. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for saying hi, Brendan and Florencia. Are you back? Put Florencia back on second. It's awesome. Her. It's been awesome sharing tea with you. Well, same here. Thank you so much. Florencia, are you back? Yes, sir. I I'm just, right here. I just want to tell you that I really appreciate the, your calling and asking about that L1 stuff because I think those are really important questions. And I think we got a few good ideas out there. So thank you for calling in. Thank you. And we will see you at some meeting down the road or something, I hope, right? Meeting, conference, something like that, yes. Okay, great. Looking well, forward to it. Say thank hi to everybody in Urbana for me. Enjoy your tea. We will. All right. Thank okay. you. All right. Ciao, ciao. Bye. 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 How, f how fun that they're having. Ooh, something just went weird in my ears, my little headphones here. Like one side went silent. Boom. It did. Like one while my right ear went silent. Must be my tinnitus. I think it's like I get a little ringing in there sometimes. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. He always thinks he's won a prize. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so where's our SLA challenge question callers? No fair answering on Mixler. God, it's such an easy question, too. Should I repeat the question? Yes, I please. I guess so. Okay. I mean, this is a show where you know, people are supposed to call in and learn something and interact and exchange ideas. So here it goes. In the past, we've talked about the groundbreaking morpheme studies that launched contemporary empirical second language research um, back in the 1970s. Question, what's the definition of a morpheme? And you got five more minutes to call in. Then I'm going to switch to the Diva Challenge question. So there we go. Oh, my gosh. I'm so tired. Walter. <laughs> I'm so tired. How do people do? How does how does Rush Limbaugh do this day after day, hour after hour? My God! I think please. we need to bring you some some tea with some caffeine in it. Something. I think our next contest should be uh, come up with multiple recordings of the different yeah, times yeah, that yeah, Bill true. says the same things over uh, and over again. I like it. Well, Walter, I want you to get ready with some questions from um, Gmail here in a okay, minute from our I've account. Got some. And then, but first, I'm going to take a call from. Um, I think there's Jen on the line. Is Jen ready to talk to us? I can't. Is hey Jen, where are you calling from? New Hampshire, the great swing state of New Hampshire. Yay! <laughs> Yay! And that's all I'm going to say it's, about that. <laughs> me, yeah, me too. Huh. <laughs> you know, going. Yeah, we talk. We don't. Um, talk, we don't talk politics on the show. We only talk SLA and language teaching. How's that? And Siegfried and Roy. And Siegfried and I Roy. called in last week. You, you did. Where's my I notes? I did. Where's my notes? And I could. And I could never get in, but now I got in twice in a row. So oh, yay. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So Jen, I hear that. What is the little note passed to me says that you want to answer the SLA question. 
Yes, please. Okay, so let me repeat the question for the fourth time for people out there still wondering what the heck a morpheme is. In the past, we talked about the groundbreaking morpheme studies that launched current second language research in the early 1970s. Question, what's the definition of a morpheme? Jen, take it away. It is the smallest unit of meaning in a word. The smallest unit of meaning in a word. You know, that's close enough. I'm going to give it to you. Ding, 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 ding. Actually, the way we... What's the the technical The most technical way is is the smallest unit of language that carries meaning. Um, So it could... That's what I meant. Yeah, it could be part of a word. It doesn't have to be a word. It could be part of a word. So like ing on the end of talking means uh, in progress. That's meaning. Or um, z on the end of dogs means more than one. Yeah, those are morphemes. And uh, you get an extra prize, Jen, if you know, um, do you know any of the morpheme oh, studies from the early, se- from the 1970s? Does any of those ring a bell? Um, no, I don't, because I don't have Eric at my fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Eric the database or Eric our listener who knows everything about SLA. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Isn't that the same? Yeah. <laughs> Eric our listener, of course. Yeah. Well, oh. just, so ever, just to remind everybody, the reason I ask this question, because it's a good one, is that... Um, the research in the 70s showed that morphemes, you know, these bits of language, are acquired in a particular order over time. And that very often there, there actually are groups of them that look the same between first and second language acquisition, which was a very powerful thing that people found out um, very early on in second language research. So that meant that there was something similar going on in first and second language acquisition. So, All right, Jen, well, did you give Dustin your information already? So does he have your address? Um, he probably has it from last week. Um, can I give a shout-out to my school? You, I'm not allowed to identify. You can give a shout-out to your school all you want. We don't ask for personal information, but if you want to, you may. Yeah, because my students gave me a hard time last week when I played the little clip. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, you didn't give us a shout-out. So a shout-out to Franklin High School, Franklin, New Hampshire. Yay, Woo! Franklin High School. Yay, yay. <laughs> we like Franklin. Okay, great. Yay. We love Franklin. Thank you so much. Well, stay on the line because Dustin is, is is shaking his head. Isn't remember? I don't think he has your address still from last week. So stay on. He's going to get that from you, and then um, we'll send you a nice little gift in the mail. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Jen. Bye bye. Bye. Yay! We got the morpheme studies out again. That was great. That was great. Morphemes are important. Without morphemes, languages wouldn't exist. Walter. Yeah. So, oh, Jen's still on the line. Better take Jen off the line. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you know, Siegfried. Fried is like, you know, that's a morpheme there, Walter. <laughs> oh. It means Sieg is no longer owned by anybody. I'm Sieg freed is now freed. The captive of Bill Van Patten. Sieg is now freed. We'll give up on this. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to read the, the diva question, and then we're going to take it over to Walter, who's going to um, read us his little, his little segment, his reading of the week. So let me get the question out for the diva challenge, and then uh, we'll see what Walter has to say about the hot topic of the week. Uh, okay, here we go. The term diva came to English from Italian, which in turn was derived from Latin. What is the original meaning of the term diva in Latin? Hmm. Okay, so the term diva came to English from Italian, which in turn was derived from Latin. What is the original meaning of the term diva in Latin? See how I brought it back to language there? Yeah, cool? I like it. It's okay. an intriguing question. There it is. Walter, what's our read of the week? What do you got there? Well, I am very excited about this read of the week. You're so excited. He's I'm so, so excited. excited. Oh, you know why? Jinx. Jinx. Uh, because 
I literally, I mean, I mean, this just arrived in my mailbox this very week. In other words, it was just published. It's hot off the presses, ladies and gentlemen. And <laughs> it came in the mail. Page. It is called The Foreign Language Annals. I'm sure some of you have heard of that before, perhaps. Uh, published by Actful. And this is volume 49, number three, fall 2016. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Here we go. The article is called <laughs> Setting Evidence-Based Language Goals. And it's written by someone in this very room. And it is not Bill Van Patten and it is not Walter Hopkins. But rather, Angelica Kramer is one of the authors of this article written with Santa Gortla. I didn't know if I said yep, that. Yep. Did I say it right? Yep. And Teresa Schenker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. And uh, they wrote this article in which they uh, did a study of students in the German program here at Michigan State. Yay, and, German! And uh, they're trying to set benchmarks for what levels uh, they could expect students to reach at certain points throughout uh, their course of study here at, uh, at Michigan State. So it's a good read. I recommend it. And shout out to my dear friend across the table, Angelica. Oh, thank you, It's so exciting. When I saw it, I was like, I have to read this one. Well, especially since it's about goal setting and all that kind of thing, obtaining goals. That's really, that's awesome. And what level students, what uh, proficiency level students can can meet at various levels. After the first year, second year, third year, fourth year is Mm -hmm. what what it's talking about. So Excellent. Good work, Angelica. Good job, Angelica. Yay. Ding, 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 ding. Let's let's send (laughs) Angelica a set of coasters. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're going to send her. She said she already has some, though, and I don't. We're going to send her a set of coasters. I'll share with you. You can have mine. Sounds good. I'll tell you what, Walter. I'll I'll, I'll give you a little tote bag or something. (laughs) I have a tote bag. What what don't you have? Let's see. Do you have anything to tote in it? Um. I mean, we use it for groceries somewhat regularly. You know, if you pe- if you peek inside your tote bag, I bet you look in the bottom. You can see Siegfried and Roy at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my. <laughs> I just poor I just, Walter. Poor Walter. Poor okay, Walter. we got poor another Walter. caller I'm on the line turning here. Turning in my letter of resignation after we the show got, today. <laughs> no, you're not. We got we got Faith from Illinois on the line. Faith, are you there? I'm here. Hi, everybody. Hey, Hi, Faith. Faith. Faith, did you call in before? I did. Yeah, I thought I recognized um, your yeah, name. Yeah, I was the tenacious host. one who got it wrong and then got it right. <laughs> I remember oh, that now. Right. There you go. Exactly. That's what I thought. So what's up? How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. I've had a question on my mind since listening to your program last week, so I figured I, you know, it's a ask anything week, so I thought I'd call in. Oh, my God. She's got a question. I hope I can answer it. i got a question. Well, it's more of a discussion. but um, That's quite all right. We'll discuss. So in terms of thinking about uh, assessment and or lack thereof, um, you know, in proficiency-based assessment, assessment that's actually a little bit more um, contextualized in the classroom and less uh, traditional as we have all grown up <laughs> with it to be. Right. I'm wondering, um, if I'm grading on proficiency, my students who acquire language more slowly than the students who acquire language quickly will get a lower score. and. And I kind of just feel, you know, I feel bad about that when I have a rubric that's proficiency-based and, and I've got these kids who are earnestly, you know, in really good faith trying to learn language and they're just not as fast as their peers and they get, you know, a lower score. How do we, what do we, how do we think about that? How do we feel about that? What do we do about that? And, and I think that's one of the things that holds me back from really going, um, I don't know, full force into proficiency-based grading. Well, what is it in the rubric that gets them a lower score? Let me ask that question first. 
I guess it depends on what kind of assessment it is. If it's a like a story retail, like mm-hmm. a speaking uh, assessment, and the rubric, you know, says like speaks and uses is understandable, you know, and speaks in complete sentences, or you know, is able to. I don't have one in front of me right now. Right. Um, or uses language does not resort to English. You know, uses language that um, synthesizes language well. I'm kind of going all over the place. I don't have one in front of me. I wish I did. Um, but I'm just thinking about my students who may have joined the program more recently, you know, instead of starting in first grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not going to do as well. And so to give them a C, you know, because it all does end up being in numbers, at least the way I've done it. And maybe you have a different idea of how to how to actually give them feedback without numbers. Um, but I think it's a big it's a big question, like what to do with those students who are slower processors, and give them the accurate feedback without making them feel dis, yeah, um, disheartened. Well, yeah, and this comes back to something we've talked about in the past: is that you're asking a bigger question or hidden, lurking in the background of your comment or your 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 challenge that you have, Faith. Is that should we really be assigning any kind of grades to language? Mm-hmm. I mean, that really is, that's a profound, fundamental question. That's the one we should be asking. My position is that we shouldn't. Um, Or that we we structure things such that everybody can be successful and that the way things you're docked for, to to put it bluntly, you know, you lose points on, is if you just don't do it. (laughs) You don't show up. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the minute we start assigning grades, you start assigning on individual differences. And, Mm -hmm. you know, everything is individual differences ultimately in academia, whether you're in a math class or a history class, or there are individual differences and people who can do something a little bit better than somebody else get a higher grade. That's just the way faculty are, at no matter what level it is. Uh, but language, if we're gonna talk about doing something like doing language, I mean, I'm trying to imagine, I go back to what I was saying to Florencia earlier about acting class. Um, how do you assign a grade to acting? I took, I've took several acting classes, I took comedy classes. And how do you assign a grade to being a comedian? I mean, you know somebody's better than somebody else. You can see it on the stage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't assign them a grade. Um, and mm-hmm. so in my acting classes, in my comedy classes, I never got grades. You got feedback, but you never got grades. You just mm-hmm. got, yeah, you went through the class, good, good for you. Um, because the idea is that afterwards, you can either do something or you can't. And so it's not so much what grade you got in as what you could do. And then, and then, because presumably you're going to apply this afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to try to be a stand-up comic, or you're going to try to be an actor, or you're going to try right. to get a job or something. And so the same thing is true with language. We have to seriously ask ourselves about that. If we truly want to have proficiency-oriented outcomes, are grades the way to go? Is there something else we should be doing? So and I, I, that, I don't have I don't have any answer for that, but that's a question the profession that's ACTFL should be asking that. Right. AATSP should be asking that. AATF. We should all all the national organizations should be asking themselves. Do we want to perpetuate this idea that you can assign grades to language right. acquisition? And I think I think what you're creating is a new vision. You know, it's a beautiful vision that that we as teachers create a classroom where everybody is successful, right. whether they are at a low proficiency or a high proficiency. Everyone is successful. It's a total paradigm shift mm-hmm. in terms of how how we do what we do. Um, right. And I, I think where the, when the rubber hits the road. That's a huge system to change, and I'm thinking because I've been I've been thinking about this for a while, and right. you know my kids go off to a competitive high school, and they you know it's a to- it's it's a different world, and um, 
they're I'm you know I'm I'm not going to not give grades anytime soon. Um, so I think we're kind of right. talking in the abstract right now, but I wonder what it would take for us to to change this. Right, right, uh, and that that's that's actually that's probably something that we could initiate as a roundtable. Um, maybe I'll propose that for next year. Uh, it's too late for ACTFL for November this year, but maybe I'll propose that to have a serious discussion about that next year at ACTFL. Um, some open forum on that. I think that's a good. You know, what could we do? It, you know, and maybe there's some models out there. I mean, we we're doing some things here at MSU at the college level, um, but that's because you know we can have outside work and so on. Um, mm -hmm. But it, you know, it'd be different for the elementary school, for example, or even el might even be different for a secondary context. So, mm -hmm. we, but we have to talk about what all those contextual things are that affect <coughs> what students can do on their own and how they can bring something to the table themselves. So, but yeah, I think I think that's what we're going to do. That so. Cool. Well, thanks. Okay. All right then. Um, I will. Well, I guess we're going to let you go, Faith. And great. Thanks okay. for thanks for having me. Thanks. Okay. Bye, Faith. Bye. Bye. Bye, Faith. Okay, so did we lose our connection? Are we back now? Okay, I think we were down a little bit. We lost our Wi-Fi connection. I'm not sure what that means. I don't do the technology stuff. That's that's like the wizard of the wizard is behind the curtain there, and they're doing all the work. And thank God they're there to do it because they know what they're doing, and I don't. Okay, one more time for the diva question before we go to Angelica's se uh, segment. So here's the question, all you diva wannabes out there: The term diva came to English from Italian, which in turn was derived from Latin. What is the original meaning of the term diva in Latin? Call in with your answer and win a prize. Yay. Oh, we actually have somebody calling in. Angelica, do you mind waiting one second? To no, do absolutely. Let's take the caller. All right. We have Robbie calling from, looks like Hopkins, Minnesota. Robbie, are you on the line? Yes. Hey, Walter Robbie. Walter so happy about Hopkins. How are you Hello, doing? Yes. Are, you, are you a distant relative of Walter? <laughs> a, yes, a distant. I live in his uh, his villa in Minnesota. I like oh it. my gosh! Can I ask you a question, Robbie? Before we get to the diva question, yeah. Do you know who Siegfried and Roy are? Yeah, of course. Okay, so good. <laughs> it's not a it's not a family gene thing going on. Then good. Thank God. All right, good. No, all right. no. Okay, all right, good. So after we do the diva question, we're going to let you tell Walter who Siegfried and Roy are because he's, okay. he's 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 chomping at the bit to know who Siegfried and Roy are. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, so let me repeat the uh, diva question for everybody, and then you can give the answer. The term diva came to English from Italian, which in turn was derived from Latin. What is the original meaning of the term diva in Latin? And, Robbie, you say what? Goddess. Ding, 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 ding. All right. There you go. Well done. There you are. There's divus and divas. They're, you know, god or goddess, but most people only use the feminine for, you know, because it became... It got involved in music and all that kind of stuff. Huh. So, yeah. So, it, it lost. The male kind so of So, what's the relation lost. between diva and prima donna? Because I think kind of like the same type of thing. No, not at all. <laughs> not so at all. Talk to me about the difference. Uh, that, no. That's a, we got poor Robbie on the phone here. Uh, so. Hey, but hey, yeah. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that later. Okay, Robbie. Now you have to tell um, Walter who Siegfried and Roy are. Okay, so Siegfried and Roy were a uh, performing duo. They performed with Tigers until Roy got, and they were, they're German-American, Angelica, which you're aware of anyway. Um, but yeah, in 2003, Roy was mauled by a tiger on stage, and I don't know what, where you were that you weren't aware of that uh, occurrence, but that they were, you know, became most famous when Roy became incapacitated by a gruesome attack on stage. Yeah, ripped his throat out. Yeah, pretty much. 
Yeah. And and they were like contemporaries of Liberace and then later. And so, I mean, these guys were big. They were like half of Las Vegas, Siegfried and Roy. Crazy yeah. clothing. That's what I yeah. remember, those pantsuits. Yeah. Hey, I have a quick SLA question. I'm pretty sure it's quick. Okay, well, good. Go ahead. We like questions. All right. Go so, ahead. yeah, um, I teach high school uh, Spanish three and four. And um, if it, I have a question about forced output. If a student walks into my room outside of class and says in English, I missed today's test, when can I take it? And I reply in Espanol, is that soliciting forced output? No. No, okay. You're just doing your, you're just doing your thing as a teacher and providing input. Okay, so it's, okay, got it. Yeah. No, no. further questions. Yeah, no, that's oh, not. I'll see, you, I'll see you on the uh, 29th, on the, uh, the 28th, on the 28th and 29th on the Deaver Tour. Oh, so. good, you're going to be there. That's great. Yep. That's great. Well, I hope I do a good job. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I have high expectations. I there hope a go. lion doesn't maul you on the stage. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, you should have seen the snarl, Robbie, on his face when he said that to me. Nice. Okay. Have you given your information to Dustin yet so that Dustin can... Yes, uh, I thought you can, you can cut me off. Yep. Okay, so Dustin has your information. We're going to send you a nice set of coasters and maybe something else because I like you. and You asked a question, Yay, too. thank you. Okay, all right. Thanks a lot, Robbie. Thanks for calling, all right, Robbie. Bye, bye Robbie. Okay, bye-bye. Um, Karen is asking on Mixer right now, can you please define forced output? Forced output is when you make students speak. That's what forced output is. So I would say, I'd ask Angelica a question, and I wouldn't move until she, she answered my question. That's forced output, making people speak, or giving them something to do that makes them speak in some way. So anyway, um, yeah, that's what forced output is, as opposed to, as opposed to having um, people just speak naturally um, as part of some kind of interaction or something. So, anyway, um, Angelica. Yes, Bill? Do you have a quote of the week? I do, and I'm torn which one. Give I us the one from pick. Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> I got <laughs> by a tiger. <laughs> the end. No, I think here we go. It, it's very philosophical and deep. Well, good. You ready? Yes. Here goes my quote. We die. That may be the meaning of life but we do language that may be the measure of our lives. Ooh, we do language, and that may be the measure of our lives. Mm -hmm. And this was Toni Morrison. Oh, I like her. I like her. Do you know who Toni Morrison is, Walter? I do know who Toni Morrison is. Okay. Yeah. She is an author. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That, okay, Walter just redeemed himself. That's a great quote. That's a great quote. So we do language, and that may be... How's it? We do language? What's the last part? That may be the measure of our lives. That may be the measure of our lives. See how important language is in our mm -hmm. lives? Huh. Toni Morrison just said it there. Okay? I think she, maybe Toni Morrison is also thinking about is also thinking about communication. She might be mixing up language communication, but her point's well taken. I like that quote. Good job. Thank you. All right. Oh, we got another caller. I uh, just popped up in front of me here. We have Meredith on the line from Atlanta. Meredith, are you on the line? Yes, I am here. Hey, Meredith, what's going on? Well, I had a quick question. Um, Karen's question and then you're addressing the question about forced output reminded me of a question um, that I had a couple of weeks ago. And that is, um, in terms of forced input, I feel, uh, you know, so if I'm following, if I'm, if I'm, teaching for proficiency, and I'm also doing those environmental things that make um, students comfortable and make the language something they want to engage in and want to produce. Um, is it forced output if I'm, or is, okay, so I guess my question is multifaceted. One, is cold call um, 
even in a comfortable environment, forced output. But also, say I go, say I say, you know, Bill, como te amas, or de donde eres, or whatever the question is, you know, somewhat scripted, et cetera, and a student isn't wanting to respond for another reason, is, is are questions like that forced output, but also is letting them off the hook, sort of going against that teacher thing of not letting students off the hook, quote unquote, um, I don't know if that makes any sense or if I'm articulating myself well, but I struggle with trying not to force output, but also keeping students accountable and 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 trying to get them to have some output. But I don't know if those are two. I don't know if those are mutually exclusive or if, you know, I, you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? <laughs> you were up until the last part. <laughs> crap. You, you lost crap, my last part. I know. It's okay, okay let, let's go back to the very, <laughs> let's go back to the first thing you were talking about, um, yeah. w- which is... Um, the asking somebody a question and if they don't say anything, right? Right. Is 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 there something wrong with that, or is is that go against what? I'm just having a. I'm trying to envision a scenario in which, if you ask somebody something and it's interesting and it's engaging, why they wouldn't want to give an answer? Absolutely. I mean, so, if they're just and I'm picturing a couple of students that are just like no. <laughs> I mean, they're just it's they're a teenager and it's just not happening, or they're in a bad mood. And then you've got that awkward, silent thing where, you know, you know you have a good rapport and you know you have a good, like, a good relationship with them in class, but then it's just that awkward silence where they're not answering. And I feel like education, like, pedagogy tells you keep that student accountable still. You know, you have to come circle back around. If they're not ready to answer it, no problem, but you come back because you can't just cop out of questions. But part of me also thinks that's forced output. Well, it is forced out, but, but 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 again, I mean, maybe again, because the whole idea of question, you know, if you're using questions to get people to say things, then maybe there's a problem with the question. So, right, and, right. and you know, you've been through training and so on, so you know, you know that there are levels of question, different kinds of questions, and some questions are easier than others. Like yes, no questions are easier than sure. either or questions and so on. And so I have, I have, I find it odd. Maybe they think they need to speak in complete sentences, and that's the problem. And so in, in my class, when I do demos and in my class when I teach, I don't have that atmosphere. And so people are always, they're shouting one word out or they're doing this or they're doing that. And if, they, if they throw something out in English, I don't care. I convert it to Spanish. And then they, sometimes students will often try to repeat it after me or something. If they, right. But so I, I just don't know, you know, without, these things are hard to judge from a distance in the abstract. But my guess, my guess is that, you know, they are teenagers, and we get these at the college mm-hmm. level too. Sometimes where they they hum around from the class, at least the classes I observe. Right. But again, my own class, I tend not to get that from people. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think it's it, so rare, and I guess that's why it, it makes me think about it because it is so rare. It's like twice a school year. You know, you just have that awkward yeah, the, thing I, where it becomes it, almost like a management problem, and you're like, oh, like, and it's so weird because normally everyone is answering, and everyone's kind of looking like, oh, is he is he defiant? Like, is that defiant? You know, because it's so the opposite of what people are used to. Right. And I feel like that non-language pedagogy comes in like, nope, keep him accountable, keep asking, or come back. And I'm like, but he's, he doesn't know how to answer, and he's uncomfortable, so why would I force output? Right. And, and yeah, right. like you said, is there something wrong with the question? Probably. Right, like, right. So and what if are we it's, doing? And also, here's my advice. Don't, don't obsess over there, something that's rare. If it's not frequent, right. then just let right. it go. Just let it go because also, particularly with high school students, you do not want to – um, have them on the spot and keep trying to put them on the spot because they just become more defiant because they get pissed off at you, right? They'll get angry. Right, absolutely. So, so absolutely. what you do is you just act like no big deal and you go, okay, we'll talk to you later and you come and because they don't, 
if, if, if they feel their the way they want to get attention is to challenge you or because that could be something going on as well. You know, maybe that's right. maybe that's, well, that's, a, what, that's what I think because I was telling somebody the other day exactly that. I'm like, why do you force that? Now you're just now you're making it a thing, you yeah, know, and they yeah. said, well, if they, if they don't have to answer in the moment, then they don't think they ever have to answer. And I was like, I don't think that's true. I don't know. That's and not our true. content is not so true. different that I thought, oh, am I forcing output? But yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I would pull them aside, you know, right before they leave class and say, hey, let me ask you a question real quick. Ask them again. Oh, of course, of and course. see if they do it yeah. on their own without a public. If they do it, then you go, OK, yeah, they did it. So it could just no, be absolutely. a public persona or something. Yeah. So but, but it's rare. You know, I wouldn't obsess. I would just let it go. I really would. Yeah, it just made me think. So I, and now you're making me, darn you, making me reflect, making me reflect on the question too, yeah. because I'm looking at Mixler and, and Nina says like, aren't tasks output? So yeah, it's like, is the question, I don't know, so much of what we teach sometimes can feel, especially in the lower levels, can feel contrived. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to ask five people out loud where they're from, you know, and everyone's like from that one town. So it can feel kind of silly. So yeah, it's just makes you think about the question versus the task versus why wouldn't, why would that even be a thing? Yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah. So, I, again, if, it, if it's not a major problem, I wouldn't worry about it. I would let yeah, it go yeah, and just, 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 I was next, just wondering. I started next time it happens, that, but, next time mm -hmm. it happens, just be aware of the context and jot it down and say, okay, I can reflect on this. So, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, I'm not, I felt like I was second guessing myself and I thought, okay, I think I'm, I think my instinct is, is on here. Okay. There good. you go. All right. Yay. Okay. Well, thanks for Thank calling in, so Meredith. Much. Have a great time down and I hope, the, I hope the rain doesn't get to you. No kidding. Well, we're not too close to the coast, so we've actually we're having some friends come up and seek refuge. Yeah, here, so. yeah, I know you're a little yeah. more inland, but still, you know, you never they're know. all leaving. They're all leaving the coast. You yeah, never know with that cone of uncertainty. So you you stay safe, okay? I know it. <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much. Okay, bye, great. Meredith. Okay, bye, Meredith. Bye, bye. Okay, we got another call on the line, but before we take this next call, does anybody have a quick, a very quick email question or Mixler question? Since we haven't gotten to those yet today, because I think we had some piling up. Oh, I have a lot of questions in email, but I don't know that any of them are quick. So. <laughs> well, give me one. I'll see if I can give a quick answer. How's okay, that? ready? <clears throat> wow. Do okay. I sound like Bill today? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Given that there are so many learning styles within the same environment, when, if ever, is it advantageous to spend a few seconds explaining the why behind a particular usage of language? For example, if a student asks you how... Asks how you say stress in Spanish. Is it advantageous to quickly explain to students that many words that begin with an S consonant in English begin with an ES consonant in Spanish? And this is from Michelle in Michigan. Um, that I understand that question. That actually there's a quick answer. My answer is no, it's not advantageous. And, and because that, that doesn't have to do with learning styles. I think that question is mixing up a teacher's perspective on what a teacher thinks she or he should be doing in the class, as opposed to a communicative act where the student says, how do you say something? The answer to the question of how do you say stress is estrés, or tensión, or in Spanish, for example, if, if you're doing Spanish. That's the answer to that question. To try to explain something derails from the communicative act, because a student is trying to express himself or herself. And what, the, what teachers always try to do is pull this idea of, I'm a teacher, I have to teach them something. And, and if you're in a teaching mode, if the purpose of what you're doing is to teach something at a given point in time, you can do that. But if there's communication going on, there's a communicative act going on, you've got to resist that temptation to be a teacher and act like a communicator. How's that for an answer? That's an answer. So then the, the follow-up question is, might these quick explanations serve to speed up or enhance acquisition for certain students? Nope. 
<laughs> Moving on. Quick nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> They're too sporadic and infrequent to really have an impact, so that's why. Okay, we got a caller on the line. Um, Josh. We have Josh Hello. from MD. What's MD? Maryland. He's not a doctor. <laughs> well, maybe he is a doctor. Are, Josh, are you a doctor or are you from Maryland? Uh, I'm from Maryland. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure because, you know, Luca puts these things up on the screen and I can't tell if you're a doctor or if you're... You're from, I'm just kidding. Of course, I know you're from Maryland, Josh. Yeah, yeah, from Baltimore. There you go. All right, so what's up, Josh? What are you calling about? Uh, well, I had a question going back to the episode about the use of uh, L1 in the classroom okay. and uh, when it might be advantageous, specifically with a particular uh, technique that is popular in some certain circles um, <clears throat> in the community that, that I've been reading about and trying in the classroom, and I wanted to get uh, your opinion on it. Uh, and, and basically what it is is that after going through a text with the class and working with it for a while, establishing understanding, you know, asking some questions and, and reading through it, uh, the idea is that then you put the text up on the screen and uh, you go through word by word, and the students will, all at the same time, translate from the L2 to the L1. And I, like I said, this seems to be a pretty popular thing uh, in certain communities. And I, and I just thought about, you know, that seems like a lot of translation. Um, and so obviously this isn't, you know, a, a communicative task, but maybe it could still uh, do something good for the class. Uh, you know, w what are your thoughts on this, kind of collectively as a class, going through a text and translating it out loud uh, as you go through it, like uh, by pointing to the words? Um, I, I, my personal reaction is that it, I, I question that as a good, I'm not saying it's not valuable, but I question it as a good use of class time. That's what I question. Mm -hmm. So, because um, I think that there could be class time spent doing other kinds of things other than translating a text. Um, mm -hmm. And again, that's, that's regardless of whether you might think or might not think that doing that has any benefit. Um, I think that sometimes people do resort to translation um, because they're afraid that students may not understand. And, mm -hmm. and so I think there are other ways to find out if students understand, Josh, so. Okay. All right. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, well, I'm going to have to mosey here because I'm getting a signal that we're getting near to the end of our show. So I appreciate you calling, Josh, and hang in there. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, right, thanks for calling, Josh. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye. Josh. Bye. My God, look at the time i got to go. i got to give acknowledgments. It's yeah, time I, to wrap yeah. up. Already. Well, here's our thank yous. Always, our technical producer, Daniel Trago. Thank you, Daniel. Our media producer, Luca Giappone. Thank you, Luca. The talented and trusted hand, call handler. I was going to say hand caller. Call handler and muscle man, <laughs> Dustin DeFelice. Thank you, Dustin. Our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney. Thank you, Jeff. We also thank the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University, especially our wonderful dean, Christopher Long. If you haven't met him, you need to meet him. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And of course, we thank all of you listeners out there as well. Stay tuned for our topic. It's coming up. Until we announce that, until you get your newsletter, have a great weekend. Have a great beginning of next week. And happy second language acquisition to all. And don't Goodbye, forget everybody. about checking out Twitter tomorrow. Behind the scenes.
And we want to see your lip sync videos yeah. too. Yeah. There you go. Walter, you can do a lip sync video? Maybe. I think we should work it's on a one. Surprise. I can Bye, see, everybody. I can see Walter doing, I can see him lip syncing to Bette Midler. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Bette Midler song? Oh, all of them. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Have a great Bye. weekend. Cheers.